Welcome to another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. I'm Matt Evans, Director of Academic Technology in the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division at ACC. Before I introduce our special guests, we want to know how do you embody ACC's faculty values? Send us an email at tledcomms, that's tledcoms, at austincc.edu with a selfie of you holding up your favorite value and let us know. You can also learn more about the history of ACC faculty values and how we're embedding them into TLED programming at austincc.edu slash faculty values. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Moore, Associate <coughs> Professor in the Professional Nursing Department, and Eddie Garcia, Professor of General Studies and Student Development, um, as we talk about maintaining student engagement in online courses. It's also worth noting that both Lisa and Eddie are nominees for this year's uh, E-Faculty of the Year for, through uh, Austin Community College. So Lisa and Eddie, thank you very much for both joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it because uh, I'm very interested to hear about how you both, um, being from very different departments at ACC, how you're both maintaining student engagement um, through these, uh, these tough times. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about before COVID, before the pandemic, before uh, the, the push to fully online courses. What types of activities and techniques have you used to foster student engagement in your courses, again, before COVID? So Lisa, why don't you go ahead and start? Wow, BC, that feels really long ago. Um, I kind of see that there's three types of student engagement. There's, there's student to student, student to instructor and student to the content, at least sort of in nursing and that, and that you have to foster all three of those. Um, and I've always tried to have a pretty collaborative classroom. I go in with the attitude that we're all there to, to get to know each other and learn from each other. I'm not just there to teach them. I've always come away learning something. Um, and I teach entry level nursing students. So this is their first real nursing experience. They can be pretty nervous. Um, and one of my, I guess, icons, Florence Nightingale said how very little can be done under the spirit of fear. So I kind of take that to heart and, and don't want my students to be afraid of me or the, the path in front of them. I, I try to promote um, a fun sort of environment. Um, I guess before COVID, uh, things that I do to make it collaborative is a little bit easier because we would all wear the same color teal scrub. So that kind of puts us all on the same team too. Um, I would try to make a point of learning about them during orientation, just something, their hobbies or their pets or where they've lived or something so that I can um, have some some personal aspect of them that I can remember and ask them about and um, and they seem to like that and and with nursing I know I mean every every educational journey is a big one but nursing is, it can be pretty tough and um, I encourage would encourage them to get to know each other and have a study group and just really focus on that student to student engagement because. You know they're going to need to count on each other through that 
through that walk in front of them. So I guess I guess those things. Can you talk a little bit more about the student to content uh, engagement? Um, that's one that I know um, instructors from uh, lots of different disciplines uh, sometimes have a hard time getting students to engage with the content. What are some um, uh, strategies or activities that you do to, to help foster that? Gosh, um, before before COVID, I almost want to want to say it wasn't as easy. I think I I do little games. I think um, when I use things called cahoots, um, Jeopardy, things like that, that they can actually um, have sort of a sense of competition and, and enthusiasm for, and that kind of helps to. I guess have the content come alive a little bit more. It's less drier. Um, again, with nursing, I can I can present the present the information, but they also have the text. They also have. I try to find YouTube videos, um, and I guess injecting a lot of humor into the content makes it a little bit more attainable. Great, that's excellent. Eddie, how about you from the student development and general studies side? Hi, Matt. Um, thank you. I want to echo a lot of what Lisa had um, mentioned about feeling a part of the team. Um, one thing I'll say um, before COVID, there was um, a lot of class discussion and group presentations in the courses that, um, that I teach. One aspect that I've always enjoyed about being in the classroom is that I'm there and I can see students' reactions in live time. Like if I'm attempting to explain a concept or go over something and a student maybe looks a little confused, I can always try to ask or you know, see, clarify, see if I can help out or clarify. A lot of our work with students is about building relationships and connections and letting them know that we care. Um, if students know that we care, it can help us build rapport and it can also allow for a safe space for students to feel comfortable to ask questions and, and therefore this can help um, facilitate learning. So before COVID, it was it was pretty, I'll say it was pretty straightforward to walk into a classroom and the students can essentially feel your presence when you walk in because we were there. It's, it was visible, you know, throughout the class um, when, we're, when we're giving our presentations and asking them to work in groups and pairs we can you know circulate throughout the class and we can walk up to the class we can walk up to the students and pairs and their groups and you know have a seat and sit down and ask some questions and you know again that was before covid in the online environment sometimes that can be a little more um, difficult to replicate but one thing that i've always found that's helpful is when students know that you care when you work to build a rapport as lisa mentioned getting to know everyone's name um, you know, making students feel comfortable. And when you communicate that you have high expectations of the students, and when you really work to help them learn, instead of viewing you as someone who's just up there telling them what they have to do, students, you know, what they have to do, that they need to do this. But when you step back as a facilitator and just help them understand how this can tie into what they want to do in their career, in their academic life, and even in their personal everyday lives and situations, it really helps students get on board with things. And again, before COVID, that was, that was a little more straightforward because we can walk into a classroom and our students are there, they can see me and I can see them. But once I'm, you know, once COVID has, once COVID, you know, came in, set in, it became a little bit more of a challenge to replicate that online. But those are some of the things that I think about when I'm fostering student engagement before COVID. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that, that um, I, I'm taking away from this already is that there's really uh, really three um, uh, core things. 
that, that you both have mentioned. One is building that rapport uh, between you and the students and, and between the students. Um, second being um, a level of trust. You know, if trust, uh, if students don't trust their instructor and vice versa, and if students don't trust each other, uh, it's it's going to be very easy for students to to shut down in the in the classroom setting, whether it's in person or online. And then Lisa, uh, what you'd mentioned about humor is something that, as a you know as a student, is something that I always found to sort of uh, lessen the tension in the room and to build more engagement. So those are three things that, yeah. that um, I'm already taking away from this. So those are great uh, great characteristics. Um, let's move, um, start transitioning uh, to, to today's current climate. Um, how did you have to adapt your teaching techniques for online teaching um, while still trying to maintain that high level of student engagement? Uh, Eddie, do you want to go ahead and start with this one? Yeah, I can, I can definitely um, try to take, to, I can definitely go on this one. Um, Lisa had mentioned earlier about the three types of interactions. Um, learner to learner, learner to content, and learner to instructor. So one thing that I'm thinking about um, to maintain high levels of student engagement, and it's and it's and, and it is especially challenging in the distance learning setting. But I like to keep in mind three different um, three components that are similar to what Lisa had mentioned. The three components mm -hmm. that I keep in mind are um, what we call the components of the community of inquiry model, and it has to do with number one, social presence number two, cognitive presence, and number three is um, teaching presence. I mentioned previously before COVID, I can walk into a classroom and students can see me, I can see them, and you know that was pretty straightforward. But in regards to um, social presence, for me, this is making sure that students know that I'm available and they know that I'm a real person as well as the other students in the classroom. When I think of social presence in a distance learning class, I'm always conscious about how I engage with students. I work to create social presence by doing things such as posting weekly video check-ins, making sure I respond to students in a timely manner, and also create opportunities for them to interact with their classmates through discussion board, and also opportunities for, for them to create online presentations that they can post to Blackboard. Now, when I think of the concept of cognitive presence, this is more um, from a very psychological standpoint of how um, students come together to learn and construct knowledge in the classroom setting. And I keep this in mind with how my course is laid out and how the material is presented. I also want to make sure and encourage all faculty to consider the different formats that they make information available in. Um, just one, you know, one quick example is I have PowerPoints that students can, um, can read if they want to, but I also do video lectures and of course the textbook. And for cognitive presence is also helping students understand the expectations. So having clear rubrics for all assignments really helps students understand how they're gonna be graded and what it is that you're looking for. And it's also important for students to have clear expectations. And um, this allows for you know, students, and after, you know, after they have the clear expectations, they can reflect upon those expectations so it can help guide their work and their assignments. And lastly, for teacher presence, to me, this one's huge. Teacher presence is how we interact with our students and how we how we guide them through the learning experience. Um, for me, um, this can be something as straightforward as including a biography in your course. It can be also as straightforward as responding to emails. I highly recommend for teacher presence, having something in your syllabus in which students know the time frame that you will respond to emails and and probably equally important or maybe more importantly when we respond to emails it's not just like a one or two sentence response you know we address the student by name and then we really look to address their questions 
And also for teacher presence, I think about developing a weekly pattern. It's pretty, um, what I've always joked with colleagues is that in the distance learning classroom, students like predictable and they like boring and, you know, boring. Okay, here's what I mean by predictable and boring. Students in, in my course understand that every Monday and Wednesday before 12 o'clock, they get a video message from me on Monday that gives a breakdown of everything that's due for that week and I show them how to do it. And then on Wednesday, they get another check-in. And I remember one semester, Wednesday at two o'clock had came around and the student reached out to emailed me and they're like, hey, Dr. G, are, are you okay? Um, we didn't get your message, so I'm hoping everything's okay. And I had just completely forgot to go in and release the message, but um, the students get used, you know, part of your teacher presence is they know when you can expect new things, when you will answer emails, when you'll respond, when you'll post these messages for them. So to me, that was um, pretty nice to see that students do respond to that. And they are like wondering, hey, is something okay with my professor because they didn't do something that, they, that they've always done. And you know, and the last thing I'll leave is uh, for teacher presence is definitely make sure you're addressing students by name, um, especially in the e emails. And then when we go to grade, when we go to grade in Blackboard, most of my grade, actually all of my grading is done in Blackboard. I always make sure, I, I just don't jump right away to my comments about what I liked about the paper, how I thought it could have maybe been a little stronger in what areas. Always take the time to include the student's name. But um, those are the three big things when I think about presence, because presence when we were in person, that's something that you can feel in a distance learning environment. It definitely is a little more of a challenge to work to develop that social presence, that cognitive presence, and that teacher presence. One of the things I want to follow up with you on is um, you had mentioned that students in a distance learning course like boring and predictable. Do you find that to be um, opposite of what students like and expect in a face-to-face uh, -face class? You know, in my limited in my limited experience, Matt, that's just based off of my own personal experience and observation. Speaking for no one else, I um what Lisa had mentioned before about jokes. I'm I'm probably one of the worst joke tellers that has that has ever <laughs> lived. And um, when I tell my really dry, boring sense of humor jokes in the distance learning classroom, students would mostly just laugh because they were so boring or if I can relate something, I've noticed that in a distance learning environment for me personally, the jokes don't always come off as intended. So for me personally, I have refrained from that. And um, <laughs> I, I, sh I probably shouldn't have said um, boring. I should have just said something more like students like predictable and they like um, you know predictable and routine. I just chose the word boring because I don't think of myself as um, much fun I don't think of myself as much fun. Although, you know, again, in a in a face-to-face -face classroom, when the joke comes off and it's bad, and students can see you laugh at yourself in live time, it um it makes for a different environment. So, in distance learning, for me personally, only for me personally, I have a hard time replicating that. So, distance learning, I do try to keep it as um predictable and routine as far as how everything is out there for the students, and of course having some humor is always a good thing. I can when I try, but I have stayed away from my bad jokes in the distance learning environment. Good to know. I, I appreciate the advice, I think. Uh, Lisa, how about you? How did you adapt your teaching techniques for online uh, online course delivery? Um, I'll admit this is a continuing challenge, I think. Um, like Eddie said, I, I really miss the face-to-face -face interaction and being able to to like clearly see a student's expression when they're getting a concept and the light bulb goes on over their head and 
Um, so what I have done is, I guess most of the time, I'm kind of thinking as I go here, but I do keep my camera on um, when we have lectures, like like synchronous lecture time or, or class time, I guess, not necessarily lecture, but I keep my camera on as long as, you know, bandwidth permits. And I do encourage the same for my students, but I don't mandate it. I respect that, you know, we all come from different walks of life and they, they may not feel comfortable about where, you know, where they have to have to zoom in from at that particular point. So I never mandate it, but I like them to see that, you know, I'm, I'm like them. My house isn't always clean. I have a crazy puppy. You know, I, I, I can kind of convey some of that humanity <laughs> in a, in an online environment that I, I miss from a person to person. Um, another thing I do that um, I use the whiteboard in Blackboard Collaborate. Um, and I'll throw that up there, um, especially if I am running a couple minutes late, but, but I, what I do like to use it for um, as people are jumping on to the call or to the session is I'll put a prompt up there, like, how are we feeling or share some news or um, so they can type or write on the whiteboard and it's anonymous so they can type to each other. Uh, and it kind of gives me a pulse check of the class. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes when you were face to face, you could you could look around the room and go, okay, this this bunch just bombed that test or whatever. And now um, I don't really have that. So so I think that, that that anonymous whiteboard is a good tip that I like to use it. And I get pretty good participation using it because probably it's anonymous and and they're all curious too to see how each other are doing and what's new or whatever the prompt is. Um, and then when I'm in class, as far as promoting that high level of student engagement, um, even if they don't have their camera on, I don't like I don't like to lose them. I don't like them to fade into the woodwork. And they know I'll call on them if they if they've been quiet too long. I'll say, okay, guy, I'm, I'm okay, alphabetical, you know, from Z to A this time, and I'll start calling on somebody to pitch in if they haven't already. And like I said, the like things like cahoots. Um, they seem to, they seem to really like that. Uh, it, it reinforces the content and then the student to student engagement because they're both, you know, they're kind of competing with each other. So that's just a couple techniques I use. Great. Let's switch over. Um, while we're talking about these, um, uh, these techniques that you've, uh, uh, adapted for online delivery, I know for both of you, um, you've indicated that there has um, been some level of difficulty in implementing them, but let's talk about what feedback you're getting as a result of this um, additional effort, if you will, um, to incorporate those techniques. What has been some of the feedback from students or overall results in student success and retention in your courses um, after your attempts at, at adapting these techniques for online student engagement? Uh, Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about the feedback and results first? Yeah, I guess um, mainly, you know, subjective, but students have told me that they they really appreciate my supportive and positive demeanor, that 
you know, it was scary for all of us early in the pandemic. And, and I don't, I shouldn't say more so in nursing, but these were level one students that still weren't um, very experienced with nursing in general or, or how to protect themselves with hand washing and all that stuff. So, so just to be supportive, positive, and um, to be honest, um, I probably could use <laughs> better work-life balance. I think I was, and I still am, but very uh, uh, reachable. You know, if they if they text me or if they emailed me, I would respond. Um, so they liked knowing that I could be counted on to to get back to them. Um, and that was some of some of the feedback. So it makes it, it makes it hard to to draw a line in the sand. Like, don't text me after nine or something, because I know it it does mean a lot to them. But I think that is kind of an ongoing challenge for for faculty in general to to kind of keep a balance during this time. Sure, Eddie, what's the feedback and results been um, from these activities on your side? Um, well, I want to first say, um, I want to touch base regarding what Lisa had mentioned, how they've been, students I have found are very honest, brutally honest, and they, they're, pre mm. they're pretty good at seeing through when um, people are fake. So when Lisa mentions that her students really appreciated how she was available, helpful, genuine towards them, I 100%, I you know, that's to me, that is just such an awesome thing because I have noticed that students can tell when um, as faculty, if they're not being sincere. So, you know, Lisa, if the student puts that, if the students have yeah. put that there, you know, although like you said, it's subjective, if that's what the student is saying to you in the written comments, that to me is just like one of the biggest compliments that a student, that, that a student can, um, can give you because students can easily Thank tell. You. Yeah, students can easily tell when, um, from my perspective, what I've seen, students can easily mm -hmm. see through a um, see through someone who's not sincere or pretending to be so I, you know I want to just acknowledge that you know those type of um the, even though I will say being being in my position I have you know we all read our faculty evaluations but then I'm also on the on the side where I also review other faculty evaluations when we're going through our faculty evaluation process and to me when students mention something about a faculty member that is so that's so positive it's um you know you cannot fake things like that because students will definitely um see through you um for me personally what I've noticed uh, the attempts at you know maintaining student engagement is I found that in the distance learning classroom, to me to me one of the I guess the better compliments that I can receive or that I like to see in other faculty's evaluations is when students mention to mention to me or about another faculty member that they say hey I actually felt like I was in a real classroom they're like hey I felt like I was in a real classroom and mm -hmm. I have often mentioned to my colleagues that distance learning courses for me. They require more time and preparation since I have to carefully craft and consider how I'm going to reach all students. And Lisa had mentioned too the time, the time on, you know, usually that, you know, we have, I, I, I'm thinking of the word, we have set prescribed times in which we would meet during the classroom in the distance learning environment, especially depending on, you know, like Lisa had mentioned, work life balance. A lot of the times those lines blur and we're working, you know, mm -hmm. at all hours and, you know, and, and answering emails at crazy hours, you know, at, at night too. But um, I will say that for me and my distance learning courses, I have found that, you know, at a, students tend to ask me for letter recommendations at a higher rate than my in-person classes. And I attribute that to mm -hmm. the effort that I put into getting to know students in the distance learning setting. And again, you know, one of those things is 
for me, one of for me one of the compliments or one of the one of the aspects of the student evaluation that I, I like when I see it is when a student is like, hey, it felt like I was in a real classroom and this was a real class. And I'm like, well, we're not in a classroom, but this is a real class. So I'm glad that you took that away. So, you know, again, I, I think mm -hmm. I think it can be it can be easy to underestimate underestimate the amount of work that actually goes in you know, the amount of time, energy, effort, and attention that goes into working to create those experiences that where Lisa had mentioned, where students are like, hey, you know, thank you for being there. You were very positive. And, you know, also when students are like, hey, it felt like I was in a real classroom. So the feedback has been pretty positive on my end what I've, from what I've noticed. And then of course, there's always that like one comment where you're like, oh, I should have done something. You know, there can be 10 mm. positive things, but there's one that was like, hey, professor, you were not good. You could do this better. And you're like, okay, what can I do better? How can I get better? And you kind of just, at least for me, I, I tend to get fixated on one, you know, one comment or one word when there's, you know, there's, you know, there's more positive things. So I'm learning too on my end that always work diligently towards helping students and creating, the, and creating an environment where they feel like it's a class. And also learn, as Lisa mentioned earlier, it's always, everything's a learning process, always learning, always trying to figure out how we can get a little bit better somehow. So it sounds like you both have gotten uh, some great feedback from, from your students um, as a result of these um, adaptations that you're making in your courses. Eddie, there were two things that you mentioned that uh, are a great segue into the last question for uh, today's episode, which, um, you had mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, it does take more time to plan and consider the approach and delivery for online courses than it does for face-to-face -face courses, as well as what you both have mentioned, navigating that, that fine line of the work-life balance. For those faculty members who are having a difficult time maintaining student engagement, what suggestions might you give them as to how to approach it or maybe where to get started or, or where to go for some um, guidance or inspiration. Um, let's see, uh, Eddie, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give this one a go. Faculty well, having a difficult time maintaining student engagement. So I would mention that for faculty that are having a tough time that it's, 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 it, can be, it can be a matter of going, by to the, going back to the basics. And, and here's what I mean. There are times in which I want to use the most fancy technology that I could use and get my hands on. And then I get caught up in the technology part and the information that I wanted to convey gets lost in the technology and overpowered by it. I would say for me, there are times when less is more, the more simple, the better. And I would also, I would recommend that faculty learn to master a few technologies and go with those. I will say that Blackboard is a technology and a lot of times I feel that I'm using Blackboard at a very high level, but then I talk to some of our instructional designers and then I learn another new trick that can actually make my work, that can make my work a little bit more efficient and actually better for the students. So, you know, learn to master a few technologies and go with those. And, um, you know, again, you learn to, I would recommend, learn to use those at a very high proficient level. And I would also mention that faculty should understand that you know student engagement from my stand from my perspective, it has to be it has to be intentional. It has to be well timed, and placed appropriately. You have to also have a desire to want to build student engagement. 
you also have to have, from my perspective, again, my perspective and opinion, you also have to have a lot of consistency and routine for how you use and deploy technology. And it's going to take effort. It's um, lots of effort. And sometimes you don't know if it is working until the end of class when you get student feedback and you're like, oh, this student feedback was you know, generally positive. You may not realize the results of it until after because throughout the class, maybe you're getting a couple emails from students and you're trying to check in on everyone. But then at the end, it's like, hey, well, it seems like I was doing was working, even though at the time you were like, I wonder if this is reaching the students. So, you know, again, it, pick a couple of technologies that you can get very comfortable with, learn to use them at a very high and proficient level. Don't let the technology overpower your message and what you're trying to accomplish. And also remember that, um, you know, communication, 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 whether it's in the, um, in the written email format or if it's something in the, in the verbal format as when you set up a, um, a Google Meet or a um, Zoom meeting with the student, pick a couple of technologies, learn how to use them and use them at a high level. And that will help develop your confidence to eventually try other things. So th that's, that's the perspective that I have. I love the, the idea of less is more. Um, uh, I think it's definitely um, a, a piece of advice worth, uh, worth applying for, uh, for all faculty and not just those who are new at, at adopting uh, technologies, but oftentimes we do get lost in the technology, just like you said, and it tends to overpower the message as opposed to the other way around. So uh, great advice, Eddie. Thank you very much. Lisa, how about you? Um, yeah, I concur with Eddie as far as, you know, don't don't try to be all things to all people overnight as far as technology. And and um, and I guess that was while you were talking, that was the biggest thing I thought of. If you're having a hard time maybe maintaining student engagement, what what works for me anyway is to just be authentic. When we rapidly went from a mainly all in person format to an all online format overnight um it it helped me to just be authentic with them i think it created an environment which um then allowed them to kind of give me some grace when i needed it you know i never hid the fact that i had to i had to transition to online just as quick as you did and it wasn't easy for me either and we're all in this together and and that sort of fostered a, a real sense of engagement, I think. And and by by being, I guess, authentic like that, then they would give me some grace. When I did try a new technology or a PowerPoint didn't load like I wanted it to, or you know, somebody knocks at the door in the middle of a lecture and the dog's barking, you know, um, we could just kind of laugh about it or roll with it and and work our way through it, you know, just roll with the punches. And now don't laugh at me, but another thing I'm thinking of doing is um, kind of like a crazy sock day in elementary school, but for Zoom classes um, to have crazy hat day or pirate day or something. One of my students suggested it and I kind of I kind of laughed about it, but then I floated the idea late in the term, and they thought that was really a fun idea, even if it was just, yeah, crazy hat day. And just that would encourage people to put their cameras on, encourage students to show up and 
see what everybody else came up with and just add a little bit, another layer of engagement. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like Eddie was saying, you don't have to know all the latest and greatest technology. Just, just kind of think back to what, what worked before and how can we spin it a little different to, to still maintain some of that enthusiasm and engagement and, so I'll let you know. I'll let you know how that works in, in August. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much for sharing that, Lisa. That'll be a, a fun little activity for you and the students. Yeah. Well, uh, Lisa and Eddie, I want to thank you both very much for your time today. Uh, before I let you go, I do have one question that uh, I do ask all of uh, all of the guests on this podcast. And that is, is there anything giving you Riverbat pride this week? Uh, now, today's Monday, so there's probably not much to uh, to mention yet, but uh, you know, feel free to, to think back to last week at least. Um, is there anything giving you Riverbat pride? Uh, Lisa, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Oh, gosh, yeah. This was actually, a, if I reflect back on last week, this is a perfect time for this question. Um, first and foremost, this was my first group of students, nursing students, that graduated, um, and my group is the uh, the ADN, so RN students that actually survived their entire program during this this COVID pandemic. So um, I was so incredibly proud of that bunch. Um, and the other thing, again, it's it's more of a nursing health science focus. But if anybody gets an opportunity to go tour the new simulation facility at Highland, it is unbelievable state-of-the-art I'm just so proud of ACC for investing in that um, and for supporting all of the health science career fields at ACC with the investment that they made in that facility it's just incredible there's a lot uh, a lot of great stuff going on in the in the new buildings that we're opening up so it's definitely worth mm. looking at and uh, congratulations on your first cohort graduating <laughs> Thank you. Eddie, how about you? What's giving you Riverbat Pride today? Oh, Riverbat Pride. So I was thinking of this, and there is a lot. For one, the students who graduated on Saturday, and also ACC as a whole, the faculty, are all of our employees, all of our employees, I should say. Now, I'm biased since I'm a product of the community mm -hmm. college system, but I'm going to say that community college students are some of the most hardworking, resilient, and resourceful students out there. And I'm always going to bet on ACC students any day of the week, especially after what a lot of our students have been through throughout the pandemic and even this semester with, you know, the, the winter storm that came by. Oh, and gosh. Our, yeah. And about our faculty and, and our faculty um, throughout this pandemic, pandemic, our fellow colleagues have shown from from my perspective, a remarkable ability to adapt their teaching. I do think that once upon a time, teaching online might have been something that was um, that I used to kind of hear it was dismissed as easy, but I will say that a lot of our colleagues I feel have learned the true amount of work that goes into a distance learning class, and our faculty colleagues have you know have risen to the challenge and they kept grinding, and also all all of our employees I mean everyone I would say our student services personnel. There's times where I have questions and I reach out to some of our completion counselors in student affairs. I reach out to some of our advising um, supervisors, and they've always been very helpful. And also in the same respects, I'm also thankful that the administration has seemed to have taken a pretty thoughtful approach in their COVID-19 response and their willingness to focus on the health and wellness of our students and employees. 
And um, I'm hopeful that the thoughtful approach will remain in place as you know we continue to navigate this pandemic. But I am really proud of um, everyone associated with um, with ACC at all different levels. There's so many people, you know, Matt. You know, you're working behind the scenes. I happen to be on one of the you know same committees that you lead. And there's always a lot of work that's going on, but there's not a lot of times in which people are aware of a lot of the good work that's going on behind the scenes. That's certainly a, a lot to be uh, prideful for uh, today and, and every day here at ACC. So thank you very much for sharing. Um, well, that's, uh, that's a wrap for today's episode. Lisa and Eddie, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today and talking about your successes and challenges and some of the feedback you received from students on the um, uh, adapt, uh, adaptation of activities for uh, distance education. So thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me, Matt. It was nice also speaking to you, Lisa. You too, Eddie. I hope we get to meet in person one day. Yeah, yes, yeah, one day, one day. We'll have to plan on that. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. Don't forget that you can read episode transcripts on the TLED blog and find links to any resources we referenced during the show. I also encourage you to subscribe to the ACC District Podcasts on any of your preferred podcast apps or listen to individual episodes on the TLED website. You can learn more about the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division and keep up with everything relevant to the faculty experience at ACC by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Simply text ACCTLED in all caps to 22828 to subscribe. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ACCTLED. Thank you for tuning in and we'll chat next time on TLC at ACC.